mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Today is National Refugee Sunday. How many of you knew that? Nor I. Okay, until about six weeks ago. I'll tell you why in a moment. June 20th is World Refugee Sunday, but today is National Refugee Sunday. And I need to begin with a confession. I confess that I am not very well informed about the Syrian refugee crisis. And I really haven't done much to inform myself. Now, I do realize, especially having watched that video, that someday I'm going to look back and realize this was a pivotal point in our world's history. And maybe I will regret not becoming more informed sooner. I know that I probably should be more informed. And after all, I serve on the board at World Relief, which is a refugee resettlement agency. So I feel the weight to confess. But here's my rub, if I'm honest with you. I've seen how divisive this, uh, this conversation, this topic is. I've watched on social media as verbal attacks from one side of Christians have gone at another side of Christians. I've seen the left vehemently uh, blast the right, spewing venom at each other. And in reality, I don't want any part in that. So am I right in my disengagement? Doubtful. I mean, I have a platform every Sunday where I could be sharing, and maybe I should, but maybe I shouldn't. So this morning, I confess. I don't confess to an indifference. I have a very strong opinion on what's going on. But I do confess to a lack of effort on my part and a lack of sharing what Christ may want us to do in and through a humanitarian crisis like this. Several weeks ago, I got a letter from our superintendent who got a letter from the bishop saying, let all the churches in our conference know that this is National Refugee Sunday and we'd like to take a special offering that will go to the Bishop's Relief Fund and it'll be used towards the Syrian refugee crisis. Now, as I read that, I knew inwardly that I had a rub. And I always struggle with a, a word from on high as to what and when we should share things. Last week, I even mentioned to somebody that I was going to be sharing on refugees, and and that person, probably much like me, said, maybe I should stay home. I don't want any of us to tune out. If you guys are thinking I'm going to go all political on you, okay, I don't want to tune out this morning, but I'd like you to hear me out. This rub within me caused a week of preparation that was challenging. I tried to listen to what the Lord would have me share. I prayed, I studied, I looked at the idea of remember, which is our Advent theme, and what God said to me was this. He said, James, remember Egypt. Remember Egypt. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. Remember Egypt. Why? It appears that Jesus and his mom and dad were refugees. According to the dictionary, the definition of a refugee is someone who flees for refuge or safety, 
especially to a foreign country, and often in times of political upheaval, war, or a tyrant trying to kill you? I need to flee for safety and refuge. This fits the definition, and it fits what Jesus was going through. Had Jesus stayed in that region of Bethlehem, he more than likely would have been killed. The verse continues in verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all of the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. I'm speculating here. But I guess that Mary would have heard what was going on. I would guess that somehow word would have trickled from the Bethlehem area all the way to Egypt where Mary and Joseph were. And I'm fairly sure that had that been the case, Mary would have grieved the loss of so many sons, especially knowing that it was hers that was being sought. I wonder, in those days when Mary and Joseph and Jesus were refugees in Egypt, I wonder if at any point God whispered into their ears during their family devotions and said, remember Egypt. Not the situation you're going through right now, but the situation your ancestors went through. Remember the story of Egypt. Had God whispered that in their ears, what would they have remembered? What would they have thought of? Well, I think we know. Here's the story. Last week, in our study on remembering, we looked at the numerous times in the Old Testament God remembered His covenant to Abraham. You guys remember that covenant? God had told Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will give you the promised land. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I will be your God and the God of your ancestors, and you will be a blessing to all nations. This covenant was remembered by God many times. It was restated to Abraham's son Isaac and then re-promised to Isaac's son Jacob. Jacob grew up. He had a bunch of kids, 12 sons, one of which was named Joseph. Now Joseph was a dreamer and his brothers didn't like him. So they took an opportunity and sold him into slavery. Into where? Where did he end up? Egypt. And ultimately, due to a catastrophic famine... The story reminds us that God used Joseph to save not only his own family, but Egypt and the surrounding nations. Ultimately, Joseph's entire family, 70 plus of them, moved to Egypt. Now, the story took a turn for the worse, though, when Joseph's family, the the family line called the Hebrews, the Israelites, when they multiplied, which is a nice way of saying they had a whole bunch of babies, and the Egyptian rulers got a bit nervous. So they enslaved the Israelite people, growing the Egyptian nation on the backs of Hebrew slaves through the blood of a people whom God had once said, you're mine. Now for 400 plus years, weeping and wailing, crying out to God, groaning, and after 400 plus years, God remembered. He remembered what was going on in Egypt. Exodus 2, verse 23 through 25, it says, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. 
But the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant and the promise he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. Scripture says he knew it was time to act. This is perchance where God would have said to Joseph and Mary, Think about this part. Because this is where God divinely placed a man named Moses. A Hebrew man who walked the halls of Pharaoh himself. God put Moses in that time for such a time and such a place as that. God used Moses as the action God knew that he needed to take. But before any action was taken, God told Moses to tell the people, Remember who I am. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and following. Moses protested. See, he didn't want to go and talk to Pharaoh. So he protested. He said, if I go to the people of Israel and I tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? Well, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Remember Egypt. But not just Egypt. The who in Egypt, the I am, Yahweh, the God who made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is the main character throughout the meta-narrative that Scripture is telling. God wants His people, including us, to remember who He is. And He wants His people to remember what He did. Yahweh wants us to remember what he did in Egypt. Whether the story is being retold to us in 2015 A.D. or reminded to Joseph and Mary in 0 A.D., what God did in Egypt hasn't changed. And what he did is this. He gave refuge and safety to a people who needed it. Refuge and safety. How did he do that? Well, God used Moses... And he had him tell Pharaoh, let my people go. We know that story. It took a bit of uh, coercing, if you want to call it that. A few things like blood, gnats, flies, frogs, livestock dying, boils, festering, hail destroying, locusts buzzing, darkness falling, and the death of every firstborn male in the country. But Pharaoh was convinced. It took a bit. And he let the people go. So this people group who had been slaves for over four centuries now found themselves as free people, but they found themselves as refugees seeking a place to go because they had a a tyrant chasing them and they needed a land that they knew God had promised them. After exiting Egypt, Scripture says like a conquering army, what was the first thing God told Moses to tell the people to do? Any idea? Remember. Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So Moses said to the people, this is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. Moses said, remember what God did. Remember, you were slaves needing safety and refuge, and God provided it. And that wouldn't be the only day that God would remind his people of what he did. Later on, when God was giving the Ten Commandments, when he was discussing the necessity of the day of rest, God said this, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, Remember, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, But the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. A few chapters later in our Bible, God is telling the people, hey, you're going to be taking over a land. And look, there's a bunch of big people in that land and they have big armies and you might be scared. But listen, chapter 7, verse 17 in Deuteronomy, God says, perhaps you will think to yourselves, how can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? But don't be afraid, just remember. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Remember Egypt, God keeps saying. And when the people were being reminded to obey what God had commanded them to do, God reminded them of the wandering that took place after they had left Egypt. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then you'll live and multiply, and you'll enter a land and occupy the land that the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. This is all part of the remember story that God is telling. Remember Egypt. Fast forward several hundred years and you see King David already in the land, and yet he still takes time to remember what God did in Egypt. I'll let you guys read all of Psalm 105 at a later point. Let me just give you a couple excerpts. Verse 23, 24, and 25, it says, Then Israel arrived in Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham, and the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became too mighty for their enemies. Then he, returned, then he turned the Egyptians against the Israelites, and they plotted against the Lord's servants. This is David writing hundreds and hundreds of years after this all happened. Verse 37, then the Lord brought his people out of Egypt, loaded them with silver and gold, and not one of the tribes of Israel even stumbled. Egypt was glad when they were gone, for they feared them greatly. And verse 42, for God remembered. He remembered his sacred promise to his servant Abraham. So he brought his people out of Egypt with joy, his chosen ones with rejoicing. Even King David Centuries later, remembered Egypt. And he remembered what God had done. Remember Egypt. We've looked at who the main player is. Yahweh. We've looked at what he did. Now the question begs to be asked, why? Why would he do that? 
Why would God choose a people group for himself, which he did with Abraham, allow them to be enslaved in a nation for over four centuries, and then why would he come and save them? The answer is simple. And God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. For you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. It was simply that the Lord loves you and He was keeping His covenant, the oath that He had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Why did God do all that? Yes, He was keeping a promise. Okay, But I think more so than that, He was doing it because He loved us. And He loved His people. That's what it says in verse 8. Rather, it was simply... The Lord loves you. Can it get any simpler than that? Can it get any more profound than that? I would imagine if we go back to the story of Joseph and Mary and Jesus in Egypt as refugees, that they would have had some questions for God. God, first, thank you that we're safe. Thank you for telling us in a dream that this was going to happen and allowing us to leave. Thank you for the country that, we, that has welcomed us. But what's going on here, Lord? You said that our son would be called the Most High. You said that he would have David's throne and his kingdom would never end. That's Luke chapter 1. Yet here we are, living as refugees in Egypt. Why? Could it have been as simple as God whispering to them? Remember Egypt. Remember who I am. What I did. And why I did it. Jesus was a refugee. In Egypt. The Israelites years before had been refugees there too. Both groups then sought safety and refuge. Both found it. Has our situation today changed? Are we any different? Yes, I could talk about the Syrian refugee crisis. The video did a great job doing that. I could give you numbers. I could give you statistics. We might be numb to those. I want to talk about us sitting in here this morning. Are we not refugees as well? Are we not being told to remember Egypt as well? We could cry out with the psalmist who in Psalm 39 said, Lord, hear our prayers. Listen to us, Lord. Listen to our cries for help. Don't ignore our tears, for we are your guests, travelers passing through as our ancestors were before us. Could we not say the same thing that Paul told the church in Philippi? We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We're eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Could we not say the same thing that the author of Hebrews said? Chapter 11, verse 13. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Guests, 
Citizens of heaven, foreigners and nomads here on earth, perhaps these labels in and of themselves don't mean that we are refugees, but if you look at the state of being that we find ourselves in, we will realize there are things holding us against our will here. There are things putting us at great risk here. There are things that we need safety and refuge from here. And I'm not talking about the the worldwide persecution. I'm not talking about perceived persecution in our own little world of Spokane. I'm not even talking about laws that are being lifted, added, changed, that could come across as anti-Christian. I think we are in need of refuge and safety from something far more dangerous and far more detrimental. We're in need of rescue from something that can separate us from God Himself. We're in need of refuge and safety from sin. I said the S word. Sin. Sin binds us. I had a conversation this morning with somebody who was bound in sin. It holds us against our will. It makes us do things we don't want to do. Don't believe me? Listen to what the Apostle Paul, the world's greatest missionary, had to write on that. Romans chapter 7. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing it. It's sin living in me. Verse 18, and now I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not the one really doing it, am I? It is sin living in me that does it. Sin. Sin could be our Egypt. Sin could be our Egypt. So what's holding you? The sin of a quick temper? The sin of discontent? The sin of lust for people? Lust for things? Addictions Addictions to something other than Christ? We need rescue from all of this. We need to flee from it and refuge. But where do we find that refuge? Where do we find that safety? Jesus. Jesus. We find refuge in a little baby refugee who ended up doing exactly what the angel Gabriel had told his dad he would do. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, And Mary will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus has saved us from our sins. This little baby refugee in Egypt has set us free from a potential eternal separation from God. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Jesus said that. The Apostle Paul reminded the church in Galatia that Jesus said that. He said, Christ has truly set you free, so now make sure that you stay free. For us today, our call is to remember Egypt. 
Remember the God of Egypt, the I am, the Yahweh, the God of the covenant, which last week I said still applies to us. We need to remember that no matter what the trouble or chaos we find ourselves in, external or internal, outward or inward, God can bring us out. We too can have our own Exodus story. God wants to do that for us. He wants to give us a story of setting us free. God wants to give us a story of setting us free. Why? The same reason He set the Israelites free. Because He loves us. Because He loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Due to God's love, His love for us, we can be refugees on this earth knowing that God will provide a place of safety and refuge for us whether it be today or someday forever in heaven. God promised to take us home. Some of us sooner than later. John 14, you guys know it. He said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you so that you can be with me. From refugees here to residents there. Remember Egypt. Remember the who. Remember the what. Remember the why. I want to finish with another confession. I have to confess that I too often forget this story. I too often forget that I have an Egypt and that I am a refugee and that I need rescuing. This morning, I want to remember my Egypt. Perhaps as I remember that, the way I view things like the Syrian crisis will affect what I do. I want to remember my Egypt. And may it be the same for you. I'm going to close with a prayer that I found that is based on Psalm 130 that speaks to the plight of so many today. Let's pray. Out of the depths we cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear our voices. Above the sound of rockets and the weeping of those bereaved, hear our earnest prayers. We look on, God, in, a, in horror at a children killed, at homes and schools hit, at smoking rubble. We listen in fear to voices speaking defiance, vowing revenge, claiming violence as the solution. God, we mourn with all who have lost loved ones, all who have fled the fighting, all who lie down in this night in fear. We wait for the Lord. Our souls wait. And only in the Prince of Peace can we find hope? Our souls wait for the Lord. More than those who watch for the morning, God, more than those who watch in fear for what the destruction the morning's light will show, peoples of these troubled regions, may your angry voices be calmed, may love drive out hatred, and may God's peace settle upon you. May God redeem all who call for further killing. And may the horrors of these days give fresh determination to the peacemakers. God, may we today see conflict in this world no more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
before Stacia leads us in the final song, if you are interested in a little bit more information on what World Relief, uh, a company that we support as a church, if, if you're interested in what they're doing, there's some paperwork out there in the foyer. And uh, per our bishop's request, I do want us to have the opportunity to give a special offering. We're not going to pass plates this morning, but we would encourage you to consider what God would have you give in an envelope uh, or just on your check, write Syria, or if you're giving cash, wrap it up in a piece of paper and write Syria and stick it in our offering boxes. We'll make sure that that money gets to the Bishop's Relief Fund, who will use it for the Syrian crisis. These would be gifts from one set of refugees, us, to another set. Stacia? Would you stand?